Hello, welcome to Bible Read Me. I'm Charles Vanderson. Today I will begin summarizing the Bible readings beginning with July the 2nd, day 183. Today begins 18 days of reading the collections of the previously long forgotten, up to 200 years, Proverbs and Psalms that were discovered deeply hidden when King Hezekiah commanded the priests and Levites to restore the Lord's temple. The historical narrative will resume on July the 20th. Some wise sayings that I find pertinent for today are, If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. Reference chapter 25 verse 26. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. Chapter 26 verse 4. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. A simpleton goes on blindly and suffers the consequences. Chapter 27, verse 12. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Chapter 27, verse 17. When the godly succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. Chapter 28, verse 12. And there are many more. These proverbs are probably not intended to be read in mass but to be meditated on one at a time. The Proverbs were not considered to be the law. Rather, they were writings of wise men's observations concerning the rewards and consequences that followed the obedience to and rebellion from the law, respectively. They were to be viewed as the practical application of the spirit of the law, presented in a way that common people could understand. July the 3rd, day 184. We read the Proverbs composed by Augur, whose name means gatherer. He may have been King Solomon or a student during Solomon's reign. We also read the Proverbs of King Lemuel, whose name means devoted to God or God is bright. Lemuel may have been another name for Solomon or Hezekiah or a name to represent any virtuous king to convey certain axioms. Reference Herbert Lockyer, 1958, page 217. This reading portion includes a well-known chapter where the ideal woman is described. Many theologians have said that such a woman does not exist. However, the essence of her character, being to exude excellence in her every attribute, is a worthy goal. This may simply be a golden standard towards which Scripture encourages women of faith to strive. The penultimate verse is the climax. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reference chapter 31, verse 30. July the 4th, day 185. We read various undated psalms. Today's reading includes only compositions by the sons of Korah, these were the descendants of the Korah who led in a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. That was back in the March 4th reading, who obviously did not join their patriarch's sin. Reference Numbers chapter 26 verse 11. In Psalms 42 and 43, the composer has been exiled and through deep distress he expresses his wish to return to his homeland where he formerly enjoyed unmolested worship of God. Psalm 44 is a psalm of lament in response to a national defeat. 
The writer reiterates the past victories of which his elders taught him and petitions God to also deliver his nation from their oppressors. The Apostle Paul quoted from this psalm in Romans chapter 8, verse 36. Psalm 45 is a royal wedding song. It includes an intermingling of subject references with the earthly king, the groom, and the eternal king. Interestingly, Psalm 46 calls for soprano voices. It also mixes elements of the contemporary earthly kingdom with the future millennial kingdom. It includes the well-known phrase, quote, Be still and know that I am God, end quote. In my personal study of the Psalms today, I am reminded of the lessons I received at Liberty University Theological Seminary about the worship wars among Christians in many churches. I would like to share that I learned that the psalmists expected their lyrics to be sung. However, only the lyrics have survived through the thousands of years that have passed. Other than directions on instrumentation, such as which ones to use, and dynamics such as to shout, joyfully, or loudly, there is no treatise on the style from which to imitate the original sound. This could be God's way of telling us that musical style is of less importance than the content of the message. Worship wars amongst Christians are always the result of ignorance and or selfishness, both of which are contrary to the purpose of authentic holy worship. Worship in the Millennial Kingdom will be international in flavor. Reference Psalm 87, verses 4 through 7. Why then do so many so-called Christians vehemently demand to worship only in their own traditions to the exclusion of all others? July the 5th, day 186. Today we read the last six psalms composed by the sons of Korah. Psalm 47 heralds God's eternal authority over the earth. It also alludes to Jesus' millennial reign. Psalm 48 is a psalm that celebrates the glory of God, Mount Zion, his favorite place on earth, and the hilarious scattering of his powerless enemies. The writer records his meditation on and praised God's loving kindness. He called for the people to praise him and put their trust in him. Psalm 49 is a song of wisdom. Its purpose is less about praising God than it is about teaching the sober truth that no amount of earthly wealth can purchase eternal glory. Only God can redeem a lost soul. To experience salvation is to gain the ultimate value of true wealth. Psalm 84 is a song for travelers to sing together as they ascend to celebrate in one or more of the three annual festivals held in Jerusalem. It describes the numerous blessings enjoyed by all who dwell in Zion, even the swallows. It is this psalm that includes the favored statement that, quote, a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside, end quote. Psalm 85, written within the backdrop of misfortune, the composer reminds the listener of God's past multiple deliverances his presence during their current sufferings, and he offers assurance that God will again cause them to prosper. Psalm 87 praises Zion as the worshiper's most desired location. 
July the 6th, day 187. We begin reading the undated and anonymously written psalms that were most likely collected by King Hezekiah of Judah in the south during this period of the chronological narrative. Dr. Charles C. Ryrie called Psalm 1, quote, a faithful doorkeeper to the entire Psalter, end quote. It teaches that one who is faithful to immerse himself or herself in God's law will enjoy a fruitful life. Psalm 2 is a royal psalm. The outstanding characteristic is the theme of God as the Almighty and Supreme King to whom absolutely every human ever born will submit, either as a blessed worshiper or as a cursed and defeated foe. Psalm 10 is a song of lament. It is very similar to David's Psalm 9. In it, the composer petitioned God to save those who were being afflicted from the cruelty of the wicked, and he affirmed his confidence that God will respond favorably to his request. Psalm 33 is a song of praise where the author instructs God's worshipers to sing, give thanks, and play skillfully with a shout of joy because of his superiority in creation and his excellent administration of it. Psalm 71 is a plea for help from a lifelong devotee, from his birth, verse 6, to his youth, verse 17, to his old age, verse 19, and even hope in his future resurrection, verse 20. Psalm 91 is a song of trust in the essence of God's character, in favor of the worshiper's personal care, security, and protection. July the 7th, day 188. We read more anonymous and undated psalms that were probably collected by King Hezekiah of Judah in the south. Psalm 92, a Sabbath day song, praises God for the way he punishes evil people while blessing the righteous ones. Psalm 93 heralds the sovereignty of God over the raging tempest waters and looks forward to his millennial reign. Psalm 94 is a lament song that calls on God to take vengeance on the acts of the wicked while affirming faith in God's protection and justice for his people. Psalm 95 calls believers to celebrate God's creative superiority and his tender care, and a challenge for everyone to avoid the rebellious attitude of the Israelites during their 40-year wilderness wandering. Psalm 96, while not attributed to David, includes 10 verses of his psalm recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. The psalm begins with a call for everyone of every nation to praise God for his salvation, to praise him for his sovereignty over them, and a call for nature to rejoice because he will eventually judge the earth's inhabitants with righteousness. Psalm 97 declares God as the king of the earth and challenges the righteous to hate evil and to praise his holy name. July the 8th, day 189, we read more undated anonymous psalms. Psalm 98 is a song of praise to God as a victorious deliverer, king, and ruler of the earth. The psalmist calls on all creation to rejoice before him because he is coming to judge the world with righteousness. Psalm 99 describes God as a majestic king of justice who both forgives and punishes and before whom all creation should tremble. Psalm 100 is a short song of thanksgiving. The psalmist calls on everyone to praise and worship him because he is the good God. Through his complaint, the psalmist asserts his confidence in God's master plan and immutability. It includes an interesting phrase that instructs, quote, let this be recorded for future generations, so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord, end quote. 
Psalm 104 is a hymn of praise that has details of creation as its theme. This ends this week's Bible summaries. My next podcast will begin on the summaries of the readings from July the 9th. I look forward to you visit them. May God bless you.